Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Hey everyone, who are your people? That is the question that we're asking this term with our series. We all have different relationships in different parts of our life, whether it's our work life, our social life, uh, our household, family life, that sort of thing. Uh, how do we navigate those relationships, especially in a time uh, where the pandemic has just changed everything for those dynamics you know maybe we're coming back into the workplace in person at this stage or maybe we're sort of rekindling friendships that we kind of lost over the last couple of years well we thought it would be a timely moment to speak into that because actually what the Bible has to say speaks to the real issues uh, of life. It is a spiritual book of spiritual truths, but God is interested in the way that we live and how we interact with other people. And what we're going to see through this series is the way that the gospel of Jesus, yes, will help us and equip us and help us feel more confident in those relationships perhaps, but also how the gospel of Jesus can bring hope and change and transformation to our lives in a really holistic way. And so we're going to go through this series. There's going to be different focuses of uh, different relationships that we might have. Some are going to be more relevant to you or less relevant, but hopefully you're going to see Jesus right the way through and it's going to be helpful to you wherever you are at. This week, we're thinking about your boss. And again, that might be something that's directly relevant to you right now. Maybe it has been in the past or will be in the future. We're also going to sort of reflect on the theme of authority uh, more generally. But as we've seen in the video just now, when there's some people talking about their experience, 
a boss has a power actually to have a big influence on your life, not just in the hours of work, but actually in your whole life in general. Okay, what they say, the, the sort of how they speak to you or what they do is going to affect you. It's going to affect your mental health. It's going to affect your well-being. It's going to affect your stress levels and anxieties. How do we navigate that? Well, a quick Google search will give you lots of different advice uh, on how we relate to bosses, particularly perhaps if they're problematic, if, if our boss is giving us a hard time or they're a difficult person to uh, relate to. You know, some advice will say, well, bosses will come and go, so don't worry too much about your boss. Just focus on you. Just focus on your career, what you're going to do, the way you conduct yourself. That's the most important thing, whatever happens. But someone else will say, well, no, but that's just a very individualistic way of looking at it. And what if your boss is being a bully? You know, you need to stand up. You need to be assertive. You need to not let bosses just dictate everything. Actually, you need to be assertive like that. Hmm. Okay, that, that's not always easy to do. And knowing how to do that well, that can be difficult. I came across uh, one piece of advice from a Silicon Valley executive said, having a bad boss isn't your fault staying with one is. And I think that maybe is typical of the attitude that can be in our society in the present day as well. It's like, well, if you find yourself in a position that your boss is just not good for you, well, just leave. You know, you find another, find another job. If that's not working out, find something else that, that will. You don't have to put up with it. You don't have to navigate it. Just, just leave. And maybe that's typical of what advice we might come across or maybe it is in our thinking. Well, we've heard some verses from the Bible and they really run in direct contrast to that. We looked at this passage from uh, Peter, Peter's letter. And he speaks about how we should relate, how Christians should relate to people who are authorities in their life. Sort of secular authority, not just in the church, but authorities in general. And what he says is, be subject to them. Submit to them. He says, honour every human institution. Honour everyone. That's what it says here. And then he goes on to describe the life of Jesus and talk about how Jesus um, just put that into practice. He didn't fight for his position. Actually, he suffered, he was threatened, and he just endured it. Now, the Bible says a lot of stuff that is um, countercultural in the society that we live. There's a lot in the Bible, let's be honest, that is unpopular to say today. I reckon these, the two things that we see in this passage here are kind of right up there with the most out-of-step things that is possible to say right now. One, submit to authorities even when they're bad. We don't like that. Two, suffering injustice can be a good thing. That is not what we want to hear. Like, who is this Peter? He's just out of touch. He's just out of touch with, with what we know. We've moved on from this kind of idea and thought. We know, we've, you see, philosophy, the history of thought has moved on from this. We know that power is going to corrupt people. We've read Machiavelli. We've read Karl Marx. We know that everything, it's a class struggle. Someone who's an authority, they're just going to do terrible things to get what they want. Anyone who's in authority over you, they just want to get the most out of you with putting the least in. Like it's in their interest. That's the capitalist system that we live in. And so we tend to think 
of authority in those terms. And wherever there is authority as a society, we'll, well, it's a, maybe it's necessary sometimes to have a boss, have authority, that sort of thing. But we just treat it with suspicion. It's, it's just a, it's a, it's an evil. It's a bad thing. And we m may have to put up with it sometimes. But we, we don't like. So this idea of honoring authorities, being gracious to people, even if we don't agree with them, it's just... It's just out of, of touch. We've learned in our culture, in our country, not to trust authorities. And that's partly as well because that's the stories that we hear and the stories that we tell one another. You know, where there is abuse of trust, where the people use uh, authority to abuse others. Happens in the entertainment industry. Happens in the corporate world. Happens in the church. Authority used to abuse others. And that's real, and that happens. I'm not going to deny that. So what is this teaching that we should honour people and submit to authorities? And the thing is, we, it, it's confirmed by our experience as well. I'm sure whether we, if we have a demanding boss, we say, oh, yeah, they, 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 they don't care. They don't care about me. They're just going to get as much as they can out of me. But also it can be on the other end of the scale as well. When we have a boss that is just, they're just kind of passive. We heard a little bit about that in the video as well. <laughs> Not really get involved. And they're just passive. And that can just be a similar thing. They don't really care about you. I, I remember having that in, in my experience when I worked um, somewhere, not, this is not when I was working for the church, I'll hasten to add. But at one point, the sort of management said to everyone, we've kind of not really done appraisals properly this year and we've kind of missed the boat on it. So everyone is just going to get their sort of next step up on the pay ladder and it's not going to be linked to your appraisal and we're just going to have to do that. You know, there it is. And on one hand, it's like, oh, sweet, okay, great. Get some more money, but don't have to do the appraisal. Fair enough. But then you step back and think about it. Oh, no, wait a minute. But actually, the management don't really care enough to prioritize their staff in terms of having an appraisal process. Because, of course, you know, appraisal might not be that, you know, comfortable thing to do. But at least it's a conversation about how are you getting on? What are your strengths and weaknesses? What are your ways that we can develop you? Okay, they're not really interested in that. And we can have that sort of experience. A demanding boss or a passive boss can leave us feeling, well, they don't really care. Why should I honour them? If they're going to treat me like that, why should I honour them? This Peter, he doesn't live in the real world. He doesn't really know what it's really like to, to have uh, an authority who's horrible or passive or anywhere in between. And when there is injustice, you know, to, surely injustice is wrong. Surely that should be challenged. What is this? You know, we live in a, a city probably that is very much what I've been talking about in terms of treating authority, not wanting to have a boss. And many people go, well, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to have that. I'll be self-employed, do my own thing. I don't want to work in a, in a corporation that's just going to be, I'm just going to be someone on, on the ladder. I'm going to do my own thing. And that's fine. That's good. Okay, great. But it's, it's part, I think what's part of that spirit is like we don't want authority because in, at the end, they'll just exploit us. And we don't want that. Peter just seems out of touch. He just seems naive here. But the thing is, when you know something more about Peter, this disciple of Jesus, and when you know something more about what actually happened to him, you start to read this in a very different light. One of the things that Peter writes here to Christians is saying, honour the emperor. Do you know what happened to Peter? Peter actually 
uh, was crucified. He was a part of a persecution that came upon Christians under the Emperor Nero. So actually, when you read Peter saying, you need to honour the emperor, Peter is speaking as someone who is part of an oppressed and occupied people. The Jews were uh, overrun by the Roman Empire. They had an emperor. And so for him to, even in that context, say, honour them, and that emperor went on to crucify him and kill many other Christians. Okay, I think there's more going on here. Even despite all that, he's still saying, no, they should be honoured. Actually, far from Peter being naive, I think Peter knows something that we don't. I think Peter's talking about some truth and some wisdom here that actually our society doesn't understand and thinks they know more but actually know less. There's something much richer going on here that actually explains how someone could honour authority even in the face of that. Well, what is it? What is this secret that we can learn here about relating to authorities? Well, when you read this passage, and I encourage you to read it again from 1 Peter chapter 2, there's a verse in the midst of this that doesn't really make sense. Because Peter's kind of saying, be subject to every human institution, honour everyone, honour the emperor. And in the midst of that, he says, verse 16, live as people who are free. He's like, be su- subject to them and be free. How does that work? And then he also says, live as people who are free by living as servants of God. So he's like, okay, so be subject to them, be servants of God and be free. That, that, just doesn't, that just doesn't add up. What's going on here? Well, this, I guess this truth, this wisdom is so rich. Peter's like, I can't explain it any more than that. I'm just going to have to show you Jesus. And that's what he does in the second half of this passage. He, he just describes Jesus and the way Jesus lived. Because Jesus demonstrates this to us. Jesus teaches us this by example. By showing actually Jesus was respectful and honoured authority. All right, he paid taxes. He honoured his parents. But yet Jesus was also living for his father. Jesus said that. Live for the will of him who sent me. And also Jesus lived in a way that was free. He's the most free person that ever lived. He's at at peace. Navigates through life in that way, knowing peace, but also being submissive. How does he get there? Because let's be honest, this is not our experience. If we're thinking about our boss, probably feeling free might well be the last thing that we feel. We don't feel free. If we have a demanding boss that's just asking more and more and more of us and we just can't say no, we're going to feel stressed, we're going to feel trapped by that, we're going to feel fear, I need to get this done, I need to get this done. But you know what? Actually, even when we have a good boss, that can be problematic to us as well. And it can make us feel trapped and not feel free like we're talking about here. Well, how so? Well, let me tell you a story again from my experience. When I was a teacher... I came to do a lesson one time early on when I was teaching and it was last thing on a Friday and I had a busy week and I thought, oh, that lesson is fine. I, I know what we're going to do for that. It's going to work out. It's going to be fine. And so I, I didn't really prepare it properly. 
Now, you know, if you're in the work life and there's a time that you have to prepare for a meeting or you're doing a presentation or there's some bit of work and you think, okay, I'm not really as prepared as I should be, but you kind of blag it and it kind of works out. Okay, and you think, all oh, right, I got away with it. This was not one of those times. This was one of those times you go in a bit underprepared and you pay for it. And that's where I was in this lesson, standing there in the midst of this classroom and like five minutes in realizing this lesson just does not work. It just does not work. And because I've not had the experience of other teachers have do, been doing it longer than me, I didn't have anything to fall back on. I didn't have, all right, we'll just do this, just adapt, have the experience to do that. It was a nightmare. And also, this was the lesson that my mentor, sort of more experienced teacher, and the head of department decided to come in to observe my lesson. Like a perfect storm. <laughs> it's the worst lesson ever. And they decided to come in on that one. And it was just yeah, horrendous. You know, you just went to, you know, 20 minutes in, just call, just call it. Time of death. This lesson, dead, gone. 2.30, let's say a prayer, let's just go home. But you can't do that. Anyway, somehow I got to the end of the lesson. But the thing is, that's not the worst bit. Because the worst bit is the post-lesson conversation with my mentor and with my head of department about how that's gone. And the thing is, the lesson and the fact that the kids would have learned absolutely nothing, that should have been the most important thing. Because teaching is all about the kids learning, that sort of thing. And that didn't happen. <laughs> that should have been what concerned me most. But it wasn't. What concerned me most was the fact that my mentor and my head of the department, which were good, they were helpful to me. A good relationship with them. And I'm like, they think I'm an idiot. Like, they've got me in this department. They've trusted me. They've put me in front of these kids. And I've just let them down. I'm just been, I've been found out. I've just been exposed. And that just gets at you, doesn't it? If you've ever been in that type of situation and you realise it's not just about whether I'm performing well in my job, it's what, like, what does this say about me? And we all do that when we come into the workplace or whatever environment we're in. It's not just about the work, it's about, am I good enough? What do they think of me? Am I going to be accepted by them? Am I valued by them? Am I trusted by them? And we bring that into our dynamic with our boss. And even the best possible boss, even especially when they're really good for us, we don't want to disappoint them. And we can actually get into a place of actually living in fear of disappointing them. On the one hand, it's like fear of getting things wrong because we're going to be yelled at. And the other hand, it's like fear of getting things wrong so, because they'll be disappointed. They've entrusted us and they've helped us and they're for us. And, and wherever we're at, we can feel, I'm not free here. I don't know peace. And that's the situation we can be in. But Jesus is different. Jesus somehow lives without this stress. Without, he lives his life without sort of people pleasing and without being worried about what others think of him. Peter gives us the secret here. How does Jesus do this? Verse 23, Jesus continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. What does that mean? Jesus was free to live his life and honour authorities when honour was due because ultimately he was secure in the knowing the greatest authority, the highest authority, God, his father. He wasn't enslaved to people's opinions of him. He wasn't jostling for position. He was secure because he knew the father. 
any new peace that came from that dynamic and comes from that dynamic. God's opinion is the most important one. Now, Peter doesn't specifically refer to it here, but I wonder as Peter is writing about the life of Jesus and about this theme, Peter is thinking of what Peter saw himself directly in the life of Jesus. If you know the life of Jesus as recounted in the Gospels, you'll know that when Jesus was arrested near the end of his life, he was put before these local authorities, Caiaphas, the high priest, and Pilate, the Roman governor. And, it, and, and the Gospels point out that Peter was the one disciple who kind of sneaked along to see what was going to happen. And he was there to witness what happened. And so he would have seen Jesus before these authorities. When they were challenging him, the crowd was bringing false accusations against Jesus. And he saw, how does Jesus respond? Does Jesus sort of fight for his place? Does Jesus insult them back? No, actually, he, he's respectful. He honors them. Well, even in the face of, they, they, he's, they're going to execute him. Like, why doesn't he defend himself? He's, Jesus is largely silent. He doesn't really say anything. Why? why? Is Jesus just, is he, is he frightened? Is he sort of quaking in his boots? No, he, he's entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Why isn't Jesus speaking? Why isn't he firing back? Why isn't he saying anything? You know, I believe that Jesus in that moment, he's not saying stuff because he's listening. Well, listening to what? <laughs> listening to the voice of his father. And what does his father say of him? Well, we know from Matthew 3, verse 7, at Jesus' baptism, what does the father say of the son? You're my son with whom I'm well pleased. Man, that brings peace. Man, that brings freedom. I'm not bound by your opinion. I'm not bound by your accusations. I'm at peace. I'm free. You know, try that in your next appraisal. Oh, here's the things you did wrong. Here's the things you No, actually, I'm living in something else. No, no seriously. <laughs> try that in your next appraisal. Because you and I... We get tossed around by opinions. Oh, am I going to do well? Do they, what do they think of me? If you're a Christian, do not go into work on any day without being secure in these words of the Father over your life. If you do that, you'll be free. You go into a workplace environment, everyone else is stressed and you'll be one. Okay, yeah, there's this stuff going on here, but there's an inner sense of peace that comes and it comes from my father. This is what Jesus has come to bring us into. He's not our example in the sense of like try and copy it. No, no, Jesus has come that we might have this life within us, this truth of God that he knows me, he's forgiven me, he's accepted me, and he's affirmed me. And Peter points out, this is what Jesus has come to do, to die for our sin. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And part of that living to righteousness is living in the tr this wonderful truth that actually Jesus has taken our sin, has died for our sin, so that we can go into any environment not living under condemnation or accusation, but living in the affirmation of the Father. That's what Jesus has come to do. That's what Jesus invites us into. So friend, whether you have a good boss 
or a bad boss. Don't live and die by what they say of you. (laughs) You'll be enslaved to that your whole life. Instead, die to self. Come to Jesus and hear the words of the Father. I'm well pleased in you. Why? Because you're forgiven and freed by Jesus. Got a terrible boss, you can honour them because it honours God to do that. And you know, I'm not worthy of the honour that God gives me and the love he gives me. I don't deserve it. I can give it to people who don't deserve it. I'm free to do that. And if you've got a great boss, don't idolise them. Don't hang on their every word. You can honour them, respect them, work for them. Do it as honour to not to them, but to God, your Father, who knows you and affirms you and live in his affirmation more than anything else. Christ has died so we can know these words. You and I can know these words. He is well pleased with us. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Amen. We're going to sing now. We're going to just take some time to receive this grace of God afresh and hear these words of affirmation over our lives. Let's sing to him now.